Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of What is a Podcast, the podcast that does have a Twitter account, I'm going to remind you about that, but also has intro and outro music now. It's been a long time, long overdue, we're in the mid-20s of episodes, but I finally You know, I got some intro music, I got some outro music. It's actually the same music for both of them. But now I have, you know, the pieces of bread to sandwich in the meat and cheese and vegetables that is, you know, the podcast. And, you know, a lot of the podcasts, I think pretty much all of the podcasts that are in my regular rotation have intro music. So why shouldn't I have intro music? Why did it take so long for me to get intro music? You know why? Because... This started as just an exercise for me, and I didn't really know what I was doing. So now, you know, I took a little editing, it took a little chopping and slicing, it took a little music, but we got some podcast music. I'm very excited about it. Turned out pretty nice, if I do say so myself. But anyway, since this is what is a podcast, we are going to talk about this podcast story from the New York Times. I will give a disclaimer. I did not read the whole New York Times article because I ran out of free articles and I wasn't going to pay for the New York Times. My apologies to the New York Times, but, you know, I'm, I'm trying to save money in the little ways, you know, so I'm not going to pay. So I'm not going to read. But thankfully, people post screenshots on Twitter for free. So I got a little a little trinket, a little nugget, a little chunk of the article and basically this article if you didn't see it was about peak podcasts it was like have we reached peak podcasts are there too many podcasts and it profiles this woman who started a podcast basically just for the money from what i could get from the screenshots she started a podcast with a friend didn't put a lot of effort into it was just talking and she expected advertisers to come in give her money. She expected to be profitable right away. And I wanted to talk about this, one, because I make a podcast, so it's relevant to me, but two, because I'm not the most high-tech person in the podcasting world. I'm not the most famous person. I do get downloads. I can check the download stats, and I'm very happy with the downloads I've gotten and the listens I've gotten so far across multiple platforms. Um, I do upload on some platforms that don't get any listens at all, like literally zero, but that's fine. If someone stumbles across it on that platform and they listen to it on their preferred platform, that's fine. I'm going to still keep putting it up there just in case. But I felt like people can make the argument for a lot of podcasters that it's just for money. And if they make that argument for me, well, I'm losing money on this you know, adventure, this podcast adventure, I'm definitely losing money on it. But I feel like for me, this podcast is for me. It's for me first. It's not necessarily for the listener first. And yes, I care about the listeners, but this is a lot of ways for me. Like I started this sort of as an exercise, like a speaking exercise, just to, you know, get my thoughts out try to be coherent, try not to trip over my words too much, you know, just to really, really, you know, exercise 
that part. I mean, in my real life, I do presentations. I have to talk to a lot of people. So it's a good, you know, vocal, you know, educational exercise. And the second part of this whole podcast experience is that I, in my life, in my career, and I've expressed this in other capacities on other platforms, I felt like I wasn't progressing mentally. And I want to explain that because I graduated from college in 2016. It's currently 2019. I graduated August 2016. By September 2016, I had a job in college advising. Excuse me. So in my college advising job, I talk about college, how to get into college, what to do once you're in college, different colleges, all those options, right? And I speak to high school students. And what that has done for me is meant that all I talk about are past experiences, mostly. I talk about what I wrote about when I applied to colleges, what colleges did I consider, what did I do once I got to college, what did I do when I graduated from college, what side jobs did I have, what classes did I take, all those things. And I felt like by doing that, even though I had like, quote unquote, a real job, it's still like I'm living in the past. And I didn't want to live in the past so much in that way. So I started the YouTube channel. I started this podcast after I started the YouTube channel. And I'm liking doing it. I genuinely do enjoy doing it. And it gives me a chance to speak on topics that maybe I would keep to myself normally, or I'd have my own thoughts about it, but I wouldn't express it to other people necessarily because I'm so busy talking about what college is doing what, what FAFSA is doing, what the California Dream Act is doing. So I get to talk about other things that I'm interested in. We are not one dimensional, you know? I'm not a straight line. I'm not only interested in college. So you get on the podcast, I might talk about sports. I might talk a little bit about politics. I might talk about TV or movies or anything that happens in my life. So you don't get all of me. Let's be clear here. You don't get every single thing about me. You don't get that on my YouTube channel. You don't get that on the podcast. You don't get every facet of me, but you do get a good amount of me. You get a decent portion of me with every episode, with every YouTube video. You get me in at least some shape or form. So that's what I want for this is for me to express myself. And it's mostly for me first. And then secondary is you. Whoever's listening to this, if you can relate, if you like it, if you, you know, get something out of this, some type of enjoyment out of this, that makes my day. Like if you get like if I get a comment that says like, oh, I love this video or this is a good video or thanks for this video, you know, that's what, you know, really, you know, keeps my day positive. So I'm I'm really you know, happy for people who like the podcast and people who support me in these endeavors. So I'm fine with it not being the best podcast ever. I'm not I'm fine with it not having you know the fancy microphone or anything like that. I do have, you know, equipment for sure, but it's not, you know, the state of the art equipment. Uh, I'm fine with that for now. Um, Also, since this is for me, I have to watch out for my finances. So since I don't make money off of this, I can't justify at the time 
putting a whole lot of money into it. I put some money into it just to keep it afloat and keep all the all the things in order. And now that I know more what I'm doing, I realize I could have spent less money, but we live and we learn. It wasn't like I spent a thousand dollars and lost it. It was like less than a hundred dollars, but I could have spent less money in the in the long run. But I'm fine with not putting in that money right now, as long as it's still, you know, good enough that people can listen to it, that I can listen to it, that I can enjoy it. I am, I'm happy with it. I'm happy if this never makes money, it's fine. It's not costing me too much. I'm not living, you know, below the poverty line just because I'm making a podcast. That's not what's happening right now. So it's really okay. And I don't know if I'm making sense in this point, just because I'm trying to know really dig deep in my emotions and sometimes you know you have an icebox where your heart used to be so it's hard to deep dive into your emotions when it comes to things like this but I really I really do enjoy making the podcast I don't have always a time to get it on a consistent schedule I wish that I could you know have just a certain day to get in do the podcast you know edit all that stuff and get out but because This isn't my job. This isn't what pays the bills. I have to work the podcast around everything else, which is fine. But I do like where it's going. I do like that people are listening. I have confirmation that people are listening. I'm trying not to pay attention too much to the numbers because, like, if I worry too much about the numbers, like, I'm going to be not worrying about things that are probably more important. But people are listening, which is great. And there are dogs barking, but they're kind of far away. So I don't know if you'll pick that up, but they're kind of far away, but dogs are barking. But anyway, back to the story. Like, when I was reading that, like, they expected after, like, two or three episodes to get advertisers, like, I just felt like the thinking was kind of flawed when it comes to starting a podcast. Because if you're not famous already, like, if you're not a celebrity or, like, an internet personality already, then... You're not going to get advertisers right away because you need listeners for that. Someone who already has a following, someone who's already has some type of fame is going to bring an audience to their podcast, even if the podcast sucks. Like they're going to get an audience to that because they're famous, even if it's the world's worst podcast. They'll still get that. And your podcast could be good, but if you don't have listeners, you're not going to get those advertising. At least that's how I understand it to be. So I feel like the thought process was kind of flawed and that they thought that they can make like it's a get rich quick type of thing, but clearly it's not. Otherwise, everyone who makes a podcast would be rich and we know that not to be true. And the article talked a little bit about are there too many podcasts and the way that podcasts work allow there for there to be too many podcasts. Same thing with YouTube. Like it's hard to get big on YouTube because there's so many people and it's algorithmically based. So you can get buried underneath all the video that's on the internet already, even though you might be creating new and good content. But I feel like, yeah, since anyone can make a podcast, if someone like me can make a podcast, then yes, there are probably too many podcasts. But I do think that there is, you know, value in the variety of podcasts. I think that, you know, if I say, talk about something, if I talk about, say, water, and someone else talks about water, and we may have two different opinions 
about water. And we might have two different audiences. We might resonate with two different people. And that's fine. That's good. Like the variety is there so that people can relate to certain personalities and maybe not relate to others. So someone can like me and not like someone else. That's fine. Someone can like someone else and dislike me or not give me the time of day because I already found someone that fits their needs. That's perfectly fine. I mean, there probably are at the end of the day too many podcasts. Like, it's kind of like pornography. Like, there's so much porn in the world that you won't be able to watch it all, right? There's no way you can watch all the porn in the world. It's impossible. Same thing is with podcasts. There's so many podcasts. There's no way you can listen to all of them. There's, it just is not possible at this point. So. I mean, yeah, there is probably too many podcasts, but I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, especially if you feel like me and you want to express yourself in a different way, or you feel like in your life you've been held back to an extent, then yeah, you might want to start a podcast. It doesn't have to be popular, but maybe you want to start a podcast just to get shit off your chest. And that's a lot of what this is. So if you are thinking about starting a podcast, don't expect to be rich, you might get rich, but it might be a fun little experiment for you. Like this is essentially a hobby. Podcasting and YouTubing is essentially my hobby and I I like it, so it's fine. Like I've honestly, even though it is my hobby, I don't really tell people. Like I've told maybe like two or three personal friends that I make this podcast and it's fine, but this is like my hobby, but it's not something that I'm comfortable like sharing with close people yet but I'm willing to share it with strangers and I also like when I was thinking about like are there too many podcasts this podcast is for me all that stuff I realized that some people can say and I don't see this argument being made really ever but you could say if this is for you then just don't post it like record it and don't post it but I feel like one if I don't post it it's just going to take up space on my computer and two I already said it can resonate with other people, but at the end of the day, it it is for me. Um, But yeah, I just wanted to talk about that a little bit up top because I feel like it, it just relates to me as someone who doesn't have the most famous podcast, someone who doesn't get advertisers just yet. We may get advertisers in the future. Um, I felt like it it was relatable to me. And it takes a little bit more work than you think. I mean, I'm not like in a studio. I don't have any fancy equipment, but I have to, you know, write down notes about what I want to talk about and like different topics. Like right now, I'm looking at my notes and every week I write down, you know, jot down topics and I see what I want to talk about. I skip over some things. I talk about things in a little bit or I go deep into one topic I find a pocket that I really hit and I just go in and in on one topic in particular sometimes just to break the the fourth wall for you but it does take a little bit more work and on a related note I know on this podcast I've been reviewing other podcasts like I've found a podcast and I review it and I don't think I'm going to do that anymore I'm not 100% that I'm not going to do that anymore, but I don't think that's where I want to go with this podcast. I really like, when it comes to this podcast, I started off doing like fake advertisements, like stuff that I thought was funny as a fake advertisement. I started doing the podcast review as like segments 
And I'm not saying that those segments are gone forever if you enjoy those segments, but I felt like I was creating segments so I can get myself to talk more. And I feel like now I'm at a place where I can talk more and I can express myself fully without having to lean on some other podcast. It's not saying I won't ever mention any other podcast again, but I do think that right now I don't need to do that and that I'm in a good place now where I don't need to do that segment. And also that takes more work than you realize too. Like if you prepare like by listening to other podcasts and do your podcast and most podcasts are pretty long and you have to listen to that and you also have the podcast that you normally listen to like the shit that's normally in your rotation that you subscribe to and then you fall behind on your normal podcast and you have to catch up and it's all a big hassle but I think that I don't need to do that anymore it might come back I might need to do that in the future but I feel like I'm at a place now where I do not need to do that anyway Let's get into what I want to talk about other than actual podcasting business. But I want to talk about social media for a little bit because a lot of the the stuff on my notes is from like social media. Um, And I realized like how good is social media for you? And when I say social media, in this case, I really mostly mean Instagram because Instagram, if you don't know, I have this situation on Instagram with a girl. I actually have two situations with two different girls, but there's a situation I have on Instagram with a girl that if you've listened to recent episodes, you probably have some idea about. But there's this girl on Instagram who I like very, very, very much. I think she's smart and pretty and funny and everything good. She's someone who I like am really like not just like I like like I would like to date you but also like oh this is a good person like a better person than I probably am and I have been posting like content on Instagram like whether it's story or whether it's a post like everything I've been doing on Instagram has been predicated on I hope she sees this. I hope that this girl who may or may not like me, I know that she thinks I'm funny. I don't know if she thinks I'm good looking. I don't know anything other than she thinks that my shit is funny. And all I'm trying to do is like post so that she sees. And I don't think that's a good, you know, way to move on social media. Like you should post You should post stuff that you like and stuff that if you want to make something funny, you should post stuff that you think is funny for sure. But your happiness can't be predicated on someone, just one person watching your Instagram story. I don't think that's the best way to go about things. Um, But that's kind of where I'm at right now. Like if if I look at my Instagram story and she didn't look at it, I'm like, oh, man. Does she fuck with me still? Does she still think I'm funny? X, Y, Z. I'm starting thinking about situations in my head that probably have never happened. And she probably thinks the same of me today as she did yesterday. But I'm thinking like, oh, no, she doesn't like me anymore. What am I going to do? She didn't watch my Instagram story like she usually does. And like, you shouldn't think like that. Like, people are busy. Like, they don't have time to watch all your shit. 
And, like, it's weird because I don't watch all her shit. Like, I'm not always liking her posts or watching her shit. So why do I, you know, want her to watch my shit so badly? Because I think that she's pretty and it's fucking with my brain. That's why. But it's just how good is it really for you to, you know, do Instagram and post just for the approval of other people. You can post for you, but posting for the approval of other people isn't necessarily the best thing, at least not for me. Maybe it's different for other people, but at least not for me. It's not the most healthy way to go about social media. I'm not saying I'm going to take a break off social media because I'm going to get these tweets off if it's the last thing I do. I'll be tweeting till I'm 90 years old. But I do think that I need to rethink a little bit of how I'm doing it. And like, I know some people have problems with Instagram because, you know, people edit their pictures and they're like, oh, everyone has a great life and I don't. And they're comparing themselves. I don't really compare myself to other people like that on Instagram. I understand some people do. That's not my problem. My problem is I want one specific person to watch my shit and like my posts. And if she doesn't, I'm just like, oh, man, I didn't succeed because it wasn't good enough for her standards, even though she probably just didn't see it because she's busy being a good person that everyone likes. So it is what it is. But I just I feel like we need to rethink this. And I think that Instagram itself is rethinking this. I was on Instagram, of course. I was on Dr. Pimple Popper's page. And if you don't know Dr. Pimple Popper, she does exactly what you think she does. Squeezes pimples out of people's body. And I commented on Dr. Pimple Popper's posts. And she has like millions of followers or whatever. And I commented, squeeze that bitch out. That's what I said, referring to a pimple. And Instagram sent me like a little notification. It was like, hey, do you really want to post this? You said the word bitch. Do you want to post this? Because that might not be the best idea. And I still went ahead and posted it, but I'm like, okay. They're seeing that there are negative aspects to social media. They're seeing that hate comments can be a problem. They're seeing that bullying online can be a problem for some people. So they're trying to to cut that back. So I see Instagram doing, you know, trying to be a better version of itself. And I know that they're testing out like hiding likes. Like you don't see the number of likes on a post. You just see the posts which I thought was interesting. At first, I thought it was kind of dumb that they were doing that. But after I realized it, because Instagram is sort of like a business, right? And that's part of what I don't like about Instagram is that it's become less of my actual friends and more of making money because I sell products on Instagram. But what I saw in like a tweet screenshot article, whatever, was that they're testing hiding likes. I thought it was stupid, but then I realized that it's no different than the story. Because on Instagram story, which I also Instagram copied and I thought was inferior to Snapchat for a long time, but that's a story for another day. On the story, you don't, no one sees your viewers but you. So it's no different than Instagram story in that way. They're making the whole Instagram similar to Instagram story, which I'm fine with. I think that hiding likes might be a good thing. I'm not sure how it'll pan out and people might think it's stupid, but so far the response to them saying that they're going to test this out has been mostly positive from what I've seen. 
So maybe Instagram is trying to be better too, but I just feel like I need I need to change my mindset and not post just to please one person and just post stuff that I think is cool and or funny. Um, but anyway, I also want to talk about Baker Mayfield while we're on the topic of Instagram. Because I read in um, an ESPN article by, um, or like a piece for ESPN the magazine um, by Mina Kimes, who's a head writer, senior writer, whatever. Excuse me. That Baker Mayfield, there's a bunch of stuff about Baker Mayfield. She wrote about Baker Mayfield. But one thing in particular was that Baker Mayfield, who just got married recently, met his now wife by following and unfollowing her over and over again on Instagram so that she noticed him. Like she noticed every time Baker Mayfield would re-follow her. And I feel like that's like a step above where I'm at with this girl who may or may not like me. And like, I don't think that works for most people. I don't think that will work for most people. At best, you just be annoying. But I just think it's unbelievable that Baker Mayfield was able to do that. I mean, it helps that Baker Mayfield is talented and seems to have a nice personality and is really cool. So if you hear about Baker Mayfield like on the news, since he's a famous athlete and you see, you know, he followed you on Instagram, you might want to check him out. But I feel like if I did that, people would think I'm annoying at best and a creep at worst. So I'm probably never going to do that. But I just thought that was, you know, something interesting that um, Baker Mayfield did that ended up in a marriage. So maybe I should be doing that, but I'm not going to just because I don't want to bother people. But good for him. It is what it is. It's good for him. I'm happy. I'm happy for Baker. I, I think that Baker and the Cleveland Browns will find success. I'm an Oakland Raiders fan, soon to be Las Vegas Raiders fan, but I wish them I wish that team nothing but the best. They deserve it. The Raiders deserve it, too, because we've been bad for a while. But they deserve it, too. Um, But anyway, let's move on over to Twitter for a minute. And I guess sort of Instagram. But this FaceApp story. I don't know if you've read about FaceApp recently or heard about FaceApp. Basically, FaceApp was or is an app where you can take your face and you can age it by like 50 years. So you like you post a picture of yourself and it'll say, this is you at 20, but what if you look like this at 75? So then they age you up and it's you know pretty funny and people have been making jokes, but it turns out that FaceApp has been owned by a Russian company that has severe privacy concerns, like severe, like they, they don't give a fuck about anything private about you. They want all of it. They said that you downloaded this app. You gave us permission to access every picture on your phone, essentially. You have all your information. We have that. You downloaded the app. You agreed to it. X, Y, Z. You're done with. And I was like, okay, that's a little bit concerning. I don't think that anything bad will happen to it or about it. Like, I don't think that this is the end of the world necessarily. I think that because we think that Russia interfered with our presidential election and there are bots that come from Russia, I think we have a little bit of paranoia. Anything 
has Russia and privacy in the same sentence. I don't think that really anything is going to happen about it, especially since it went somewhat viral that there are privacy concerns. But what I what blows my mind is if you use FaceApp, you didn't have to use FaceApp for yourself. Like it could be any picture that you age up, any person's likeness. So say you had a celebrity, like say you had Brad Pitt, and then you use Brad Pitt's picture in the FaceApp. Now they have Brad Pitt's face on file. And Brad Pitt didn't consent to that, you did. But Brad Pitt is now caught up in this whole FaceApp fiasco because you agreed to those terms and conditions that probably aren't legal. Maybe they are legal, but I mean, I guess it's legal if you agree to it. But if you don't agree to it, it's probably illegal. If I was to say so myself, I'm not an expert on these type of things. So I'm going to say probably not definitely. But it's just crazy to think that you could be caught up in this face app thing and not even know it because someone used your picture to do their funny face app joke thing without your consent. And I feel like also, though, is that if you want my face, if you want my face for any type of deep fake or if you want it for, you know, facial recognition technology, if you want to use my face for anything nefarious like that, you can get it pretty easily. Like I've posted my face on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, on YouTube. You can find my face if you want it. I'm not hiding my face in any way or sense of the word. So if you want my face, you can have it. If they want your face, they can probably have it. If you're using the internet to listen to a podcast, you probably have a profile picture of some sort or a tagged picture of some sort. You have some facial recognition on the internet. So we're not safe regardless, but I feel like this face app thing just took it a little bit too far and made it a little bit too close for comfort for most people. Um, and, you know, they need to be held accountable for those type of things. So, and I have water here. I should mention that because if you don't mention it, then people are like, what the fuck? Are you drinking water? Yes, I am drinking water because I need to keep my voice crispy and buttery, even though those are kind of antonyms. But whatever. I also want to talk about on the on the heels of holding people accountable. I wanted to talk about this Netflix show called Trinkets. Um, it came out a few weeks ago and I watched it and I wrote about it um, on Medium a little bit when I first watched it. But I kind of wanted to talk about it on here as well um, because the Trinkets, without getting too spoilery, without giving away too much of the plot, there's three high school girls are the main cast, like three girls who are like 16. And two of the three girls are in relationships with adults, like 20 and up, right? Which is against the law. Like you're not supposed to be 16 dating a 25 year old. Like the age of consent for most intents and purposes is 18. And if there's any advice I could give to anyone in this world, any adult person in this world is do not date a high schooler. Whatever you do, I don't care if you think 
they're being more mature for their age or anything like that, do not date a high schooler. I think that I shouldn't even have to say this, but do not date a high schooler. Even if the high schooler says they're into older men or older women and they want to date you, do not date a high schooler. There's nothing good can come from that in the end. People are going to think you're kind of weird at best and a pedophile at worst. But anyway, so in Trinkets, two of the three main cast members are in relationships with adults. They're 16 and these people are like 25 and older. And I was like, okay, this isn't right, right? This is like the adults are in the wrong here. This is like kind of creepy, kind of predatory, all that stuff, right? But if you don't pay attention, you'll think it's just a regular relationship. Like if you're just scrolling through your phone, you're on Twitter, you're on Instagram while watching it, you might not notice that there's a huge age gap between these romantic characters. And I felt like, because in most cases, Trinkets was a good show. Most of the aspects of Trinkets were good. But I felt like you have a responsibility if you're making a show to call out bad things. TV shows can depict bad things. Movies can depict bad things. But in most cases, it's very, very obvious that these things are bad. Like if you watch a superhero movie and people die, we know that killing people is bad. So you don't have to explicitly state that this is bad. But in Trinkets, we have this bad thing where older men and women are preying on younger high school-aged kids and it's not mentioned throughout the series it has one season it's not mentioned that this is kind of weird or kind of creepy like no one thinks that this is you know an awkward weird relationship and this could be fixed like this whole situation could be fixed if one character pointed out the fucking weird age gap between these two characters all it had to do with one character one line that called out these predatory relationships on their bullshit that didn't happen in trinkets and i feel like you have a responsibility if you're creating a tv show to call out these things that are bad because not everyone thinks they are bad some people romanticize those type of relationships and it's very manipulative and can be predatory to do to be in that type of relationship if you're a 25 year old dating a 16 year old so I felt like that was where the show dropped a ball. But as I was just thinking about it, it was like, this show c- can depict bad things. Like, just because you depict a bad thing doesn't mean that it's a bad show. Like, 13's Reasons Why, like, they depict bad things. People like the show. I know not everyone likes that show. It actually, 13 Reasons Why, filmed, like, 15 minutes from where I'm currently recording this podcast from, which is pretty interesting. But you can depict a bad thing, and 13's Reasons Why deals with a lot of bad, fucked up things. That doesn't mean that the show is bad. It means that bad things happen just like bad things happen in real life. You're mirroring real life through your art. That's perfectly fine. You don't need to no worry about being a bad show. You're just doing bad things in the show. But with something that's a little bit more ambiguous to some people, I think for me and most of the people that I talk to, like 
you're you're 16 like you're still a kid you're still a minor i'm not going to pursue anything romantic with you i worked in schools like i would go to fucking jail if i did anything like that but i feel like some people like they think that those lines are more blurred than they really are and they'll like try to finagle their way around the law so i feel like you have a responsibility in that case to show that these actions are not good and it, all it took all it would take is like one line from one character it doesn't even have to be the main character and i think that they dropped the ball on that and i don't know if everyone feels the same way about that but i feel like you need to you know express these things as being wrong as not being moral decisions because you know people might get the wrong idea and i don't know i feel like it is going a little bit in the way of policing someone's art, but when it comes to a TV show that young people are going to be consuming, I think that it is just kind of irresponsible not to include a line like that. That's all I'm saying. The rest of the show is good, which is why you know it's conflicting, but I don't know. It is what it is. It's already been greenlit by Netflix. Who knows if it'll get a second season? I hope if it does get a second season, then they do address these weird relationships because the season ends on like a happy note and it probably shouldn't have. Um, But I don't want to get too spoilery. So if you want to watch it, because the rest of it I did think was good and the acting I did think was good, but just rub me the wrong way just a little bit. Um, But anyway, speaking of responsibility, I wanted to talk about Dan Lebetard from ESPN. And if you don't know him, he's a personality, a sports writer, a sports commenter. He has a TV show called Highly Questionable. He has a radio show with ESPN. And recently, with President Trump being more racist than usual lately, particularly about congresswomen. I talked a little bit about this last week. Um, but with Donald Trump being more racist than, you know, we've expected, we, we know that Donald Trump said some racist things and some other inflammatory things, but, like, recently he's, like, kicked it up a notch. So with Donald Trump being more racist than usual, Dan Lebetard kind of expressed his frustration, not just with Donald Trump, but with ESPN as a whole. And he was saying that ESPN doesn't want to be, you know, political and they move away from the politics of things and they just want to, quote unquote, stick to sports. That's a paraphrase of what he actually said. And I, you know, and he's being a little bit um, angry that they want him to stick to sports and he wants to call out bullshit when he sees it. And I agree that you should call out bullshit. And It's interesting because what Donald Trump said is only really political because he's the president, right? Like, if Donald Trump wasn't the president, if Donald Trump was just Donald Trump, like just the real estate reality guy, he would still be racist, but that wouldn't be political necessarily, and you could talk about it. But since Donald Trump is the president saying these things... You have to, you know, say, oh, this is political. But really being racist, I mean, if we're talking about one person being racist, that's not really political. Systematic racism, racism on a larger scale, yes. But just being a racist asshole is not necessarily 
political, and that's what Donald Trump has been being, but just expressing your frustration. And I feel like when it comes to ESPN and other, you know, networks that do want to shy away from the politics, it is, you know, kind of a cowardly response from the network. And as I know from the network, currently they didn't suspend Dan Lebetard. He didn't get punished at all or anything like that. Dan Lebetard is um, a Cuban American, so he's not necessarily like he's not like a white person from the Midwest, for example. Or he's not like, but he's also not black. I don't know where I'm going with that, but just to give you some context. But another black person who worked for ESPN, Jamel Hill, criticized Trump. She got suspended. She eventually left ESPN, and Dan Lebetard talks about that as well as being unfair like it was unfair for jamel hill to go through that by her employer just by expressing her political beliefs and i feel like there is a space for sports personalities to talk about politics but i feel like when i listen to espn like podcasts and espn um you know, radio, stuff like that. I don't listen to ESPN radio a lot, but I do have a couple of podcasts that I um, listen to. And whenever there's something that might be considered political, they say, this is not a political statement. I'm just saying, like, these are the facts, right? They have to make it known that it's an apolitical statement. And I feel like if they don't say that, like, they're going to get in trouble by their boss, I always thought that they weren't saying that just so that trolls weren't going to come after them because they were being apolitical. They were making an apolitical statement. But I feel like they're being told to say things like that so that they don't get reprimanded by their employer. And I don't know if that's true. That's just something that I'm thinking about that. Excuse me. That maybe they've been told to do that just so everything can stay clear but also like if you mention like any type of politics you're gonna get the stick to sports people like the people that say i don't want politics in my tv (laughs) i hate donald trump i hate obama i hate liberals i hate republicans get the politics off of my tv (laughs) you're gonna get those people but i feel like if it's something that you believe in then it's worth it to to talk about and I feel like we're missing out on a lot of political humor on ESPN because ESPN anchors, like, they're great at talking about sports, but we like them for their personality, right? Like, everyone can talk about sports. Like, most people who like sports, like, we're talking about it with our friends and family. We're talking shit about each other's teams. We're talking about who's good, who might be traded. We're doing all the speculation, right? The difference between us and ESPN anchors is that they get paid for it. And people tune into ESPN, they tune into FS1, they tune into TNT, whatever, because of the personality. And you see on shows like Highly Questionable, on shows like High Noon, that they talk mostly about sports, but sometimes there's like a viral video that they talk about or something weird that's not strictly sports that they talk about. And it's still funny because they have a good personality to go along with the sports analysis so we could be getting a little bit of the current political climate in that 
And they do it sometimes. They do it when an athlete talks about this. Dan Lebertard did that, talked about this as well. Like, we only talk about politics when we can use an athlete to lean on because they talked about it first. But we could be getting more political humor from ESPN. We don't need a lot of political humor or political commentary, but we could be getting more political humor, just a little bit more. And maybe it would be a better product. It's still a good product. Like, I'm not going to pretend like ESPN has bad shows. I feel like a lot of people who assume that ESPN is biased against conservatives, like they think that ESPN is bad in general. I don't think that. I think that ESPN makes good shit and I'm not going to pretend like they don't. But some people, they think that ESPN doesn't make good shit and it's part of it is because of their bias. So that probably wouldn't help the network's money and i understand where the the network is coming from like i understand that they don't want to fuck the money up like they're a sports thing first and foremost and everything else comes second but at the same time i feel like you're you're limiting your potential here and it is a little bit cowardly when the politics affect so many people we have a crisis at the border you know with abortion laws and things like that and to only talk about it when it comes to um when it comes to sports or when it comes to an athlete saying that is a little bit iffy like we do talk about politics when like an athlete refuses to go to the white house or when nick bosa supports trump or anything like that but I don't know. I feel like we're we're missing we're missing out on a little bit of life because ESPN covers sports, but they also cover large swaths of life through you know viral videos or any type of trend or anything that concerns the hosts of whatever show you're watching. So I agree with Dan Lebetard for mo- for the most part, um, but I understand where ESPN comes from too, and that they don't want to fuck the money up at the end of the day, but. Maybe it's worth seeing where it goes if we, we let the people be a little bit more political and see where, where that takes us. But they probably won't do that. Like the higher ups at Disney or whatever, they probably they probably won't do that. But anyway, more politics. Let's make this a whole lot more about politics. Um, I want to talk about Al Franken. Do you remember Al Franken, the senator, the comedian? Did you know that he still does stuff? Um, if you remember, Al Franken resigned from Congress a few years ago. Or maybe one year ago. I actually don't remember. But Al Franken resigned from Congress because there was like accusations of being inappropriate with women. And he resigned from Congress. And I saw a Twitter moment because I get most of my information from Twitter. And... I saw that people are having second thoughts about Al Franken. Like, did he really behave inappropriately with women? And a lot of people in Congress had regrets about forcing him to resign. And really, what this, what this says to me is that whenever, like, especially in the Me Too era, but whenever someone is accused of being inappropriate with women or, like, you know, sexual harassment or anything even worse than that whenever we hear that we don't want this to be true it doesn't matter like if this person is necessarily good or bad to you but if someone likes that person they're not going to want that to be true and i feel like sometimes it feels like 
I don't like this person anyway, so of course, like, I'm going to cancel them for these accusations. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't cancel them. That's not what I'm trying to say. But I feel like we all have our lines. And when someone we like is being accused of that, even if they did do it, we really, really, really don't want that to be true. And we'll go to lengths to convince ourselves that it's not true or that it's not as bad as it might have actually been. I think a non-political example would be Chris Brown. Like people have, a lot of people have not forgiven Chris Brown, but some people did forgive Chris Brown. Some people did do still listen to his music and put him on the top of the charts and all that stuff. So, but with this Al Franken situation, is a little bit different because Al Franken is supposed to represent a section of America. I believe he was in Minnesota. So when he is accused of these things, like I'm trying to think as a public figure, right, that represents a certain section of America. If would it be better for Al Franken to have resigned like he did or would it have been better to investigate and him still be on the Congress, in Congress? Would it be better for them to investigate and see if this is actually true and have him resign or not? Or would it have better for him to resign right away like he did? And I'm thinking, like, even, like, it's seemingly, like, whatever happened with Al Franken and these women's may not have occurred. But to me, it's probably better that he resigned like he did because if this thing goes on and on, people aren't going to trust you. And a lot about politics is personality and trust. Like in the Democratic debates, what are we talking about more than anything? We're talking about personality. Like these people who aren't established, like the Andrew Yang, Julian Castro, Beto, we're talking about personality here more than anything. Like... Whatever the policy is, is coming second right now. And I feel like with a member of Congress, like Al Franken was, you need trust in the people. You need to be able to confidently represent people. You can't have people hating you over this accusation. So I think it was probably better for Al Franken to resign like he did instead of dragging it out and having a full-blown investigation or whatever and it sucks if he didn't do that if he didn't do the things he was accused of and he you know had to resign that sucks but i don't think he would have effectively been able to be a congressman while this whole case was going on people weren't going to forget about those type of things but yeah it sucks if he didn't do that but yeah i just think that At the end of the day, we don't want these actions to be true at all. Like, if you like someone, you're going to be more likely to defend them. People don't want these things to have happened. Unfortunately, they do happen. And that's what just just reminded me of is like, we are not rooting for this to happen. But when and when it does happen, we're going to try and find a way to justify that it didn't happen or what is accused is actually less than what happened. Um, But anyway, let's move on to something a little less political. XXX Tentacion. I don't want to talk about this too much, but last week or like a few days ago, a comedian named Dina or Dinah Hashem made a joke about XXX Tentacion. And I saw the joke. I thought it was pretty funny. Not the best joke in the world, but it was pretty funny. Basically, what she said was, 
know when Tentacion died, he was carrying $50,000 cash. Someone shot him and took the money. And that's a lesson to not carry $50,000 cash, use Venmo. That wasn't exactly how it was set up, but that's the that's gist of the joke, in case you missed it. And Tentacion fans were not happy about this. They were, you know, online bullying this person. She had to go private on her social media. She apologized, all that stuff. But what I am confused about, and I'm not the biggest Tentacion fan, just to be clear. I wanted to say that he has good music. Like, when he first came out with Look At Me, I thought that song was good. And the other song, like, Sippin' Tea In Your Hood, What The Fuck Is Up You Buttercup, I thought that song was good. And then, like, I heard that, you know, he, he was not the best person, like, accusations of assault, homophobia, these type of things. So I stopped listening to Tentacion. And even if his music was good, I just didn't feel comfortable listening to that. Um, even if, you know, what he's saying in the songs is, like, fiction, because... A lot of the songs, at least in his early days, are like kind of violent. Like even if he is making that stuff up, you know that he hasn't been the best person in the past. So it just made me a little bit uncomfortable. Um, I don't have a problem with most like violent rap music. Like if you're talking about guns and shooting people, I'm okay with that because it's a fantasy land most of the time. Like it's just like watching a fucking John Wick movie. Like shooting people is bad, like I said, but it's fantasy. We're fine with it. We know that these things are bad, so it's okay. But with Tentacion, it was a little bit different, at least for me, because it seemed as if it wasn't just what he was rapping about, because that's not really what he was accused of. He was accused of, you know, like domestic violence. So it made me a little bit uncomfortable. But anyway, he wasn't necessarily a good person. But because of that, he was also someone with really, really dark humor. Like, if you look at Tentacion's tweets before he passed away, and I'm also not taking anything from, like, how he passed away. Like, it was tragic how he passed away. And I do think that even if he wasn't a good person, he was on the tick up. But I still wasn't comfortable rocking with that dude. I think he might have been making efforts to be a more positive person but I still wasn't rocking with it. That's just how I was. But he had this dark sense of humor. And I'm going to pull up some of the old tweet screenshots. And normally I wouldn't do this. But in this situation, like, he, it, 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 I think it works because of Tentacion's life as a whole. So I'm going to pull it up. But basically, like, Tentacion. I have it here. He tweeted in 2015, Lil Dylan Roof, calling himself Dylan Roof. If you don't know who Dylan Roof is, he's a white supremacist who murdered African-Americans in a church. It was a big tragedy. You can look it up. It happened in South Carolina, I believe. Next tweet. Someone tweeted to Tentacion. I heard most of his album is supposed to be like that. He's scared to actually rap after getting dropped because someone, you know, jumped him, snuck him, whatever. And an XXX replies, I'm not scared to fuck your underage sister in her throat, though. So to me, assuming that he's joking, this is a dark sense of humor. And I thought that people who were fans of this dude 
we're into this dark sense of humor because if you're a fan of the music and you follow this guy on Twitter, on Instagram, and you see that dark sense of humor, I mean, you can debate whether this is funny or not. But if this is a joke, this is definitely, you know, dark or humor. And if you're a fan of this guy, I don't see it doesn't make sense to me how you're a fan of this guy and you can't handle dark humor. And this joke, I don't think was even like that dark in the end of the day. And I also feel like XXX didn't die that long ago, but we joke about dead people a lot. Like, I understand, I'm not trying to take away from the impact XXX may have had on you. He may, his music may have had a good impact on you. I'm not taking away from that. But we've made fun of other dead people before. South Park made fun of Michael Jackson like pretty soon after he died. I remember, I don't remember who made this video, but I remember shortly after Michael Jackson died. And Michael Jackson died alongside Farrah Fawcett and I believe David Carradine also passed away at that same time or around that same time that Michael Jackson did. Um, And when that happened, I remember seeing a video talking about the recent deaths of celebrities and he was talking about which younger celebrities should die also. And he was making jokes about it. And people weren't, people weren't upset about it. People were laughing about it. Like people have made fun of dead people for a long time. And yes, in certain cases, it's too soon and it's in poor taste. But and we make fun of these people all the time. It's not fun to make ill of the dead like in a tasteless way and you can argue whether or not Dina or Dinah Hashem's joke was tasteless but I do think that it the reaction the negative reaction was way overblown it wasn't that big of a joke and the person who you are a fan of that you may idolize or whatever he had the same humor so I'm thinking if Tentacion heard that joke I think he would have laughed at it I think he would have thought it was funny. I think that if he had heard Dina or Dinah Hashem's joke, my apologies, I'm not clear on the pronunciation of her first name. I think he would have laughed at it. I think that you're, you're, you're defending someone who wouldn't have been offended by that joke. I really don't think he would have been that mad about it. But just the reaction and the backlash, especially from like hip hop um, publications, like verified, you know, respected hip hop publications. And I realized that like, if you work for a publication, your views don't necessarily reflect the views of everyone within that organization. But the backlash was just so much. I just thought it was really, really ridiculous how, how that was. Um, but anyway, I want to talk about a couple more things. First off, There's a school district, I believe, in Pennsylvania that's saying that they're going to send your kids to foster care if they don't pay their lunch bills because they have to pay for lunch. I just want to know how the fuck can you pull that off? How can you take a kid just because they're, they're taking some food for free? I don't know. That seems a little bit ridiculous. People are saying that this is ridiculous. I'm just thinking, how the fuck can you pull that off? I don't think you can. I don't think a school district can do that. Maybe the laws are different in different states, but don't punish parents or kids for eating food. What? Stop doing that. They're saying, if you don't pay your overdue lunch fees, we're going to take you from your parents. Are you kidding me? No. 
Your food is probably too expensive. Create a free lunch program or something. No, don't do that. All right, moving on. Just want to say that. I've been watching Love Island. Love Island UK is almost over. And I don't want to talk about any individual characters or people on the show too much. I just wanted to say, there was a person on the show last night or the night before. Because at the end of Love Island UK, if you win, you get 50,000 pounds, 50,000 monetary units. I was going to say dollars, but they live in England, so pounds. And the person on the show, because a lot of times people are accused of just playing for the money and not playing for love. Because Love Island is all about finding love, supposedly. And she said, there are easier ways to make $50,000 than to be on Love Island. And I was thinking, are there? Are there? Are there really? Because Love Island, you get to go to a resort in Mallorca, Spain, which is like a paradise, If you stay there for two months, you find a hot person to make out with for two months, you get expenses paid, trip to Spain, and if you win, you get $50,000. If you don't win, you get verified on Instagram, you get brand deals, become famous anyway. Are are there really easier ways to make $50,000? Because a lot of people make $50,000 in an entire year, or like... That it takes like half a year even. Like if you're, say your salary is 100K, it takes you six months work in theory. You're getting 50K in two months work living in paradise. I don't know how many easier ways there are to make $50,000 other than to win some type of lottery or like sell a bunch of things. I don't know. Are there, I don't think there's an easier way than to make it on Love Island. I'm not too sure. It was just an interesting comment that I saw. Anyway, moving on. Sports. We're talking about sports. I am a San Francisco Giants fan. And the San Francisco Giants were bad at the beginning of this season. They weren't good. They were below 500. They were in last place. Recently, the Giants have decided to be good. They've decided that they're actually going to play to win. And they've been winning, now they're in like second place, right? And they have a good chance to make the playoffs. Why is this a problem? Because even if they make the playoffs, they're probably not going to win the World Series. And they have an aging roster. They don't have a lot of young players to call up to bring up to the big leagues. So they're in a little bit of a predicament. And everyone thought that they were going to trade some of their players while they still have some trade value and to rebuild their franchise. But now, rebuilding the franchise doesn't really seem in the question while they have a playoff run coming up. But they still might trade some people at time of recording. We don't know if anyone on the Giants is gonna get traded or not. What I'm trying to say with this is, we as Giants fans are now overthinking winning. Like We as Giants fans, we see winning and we're happy, but in the back of our mind, we're like, Is winning a good thing? Like, maybe we shouldn't be winning. I like the fact that we're winning, but maybe we shouldn't be winning. And I think that this is ridiculous. And I'm part of the the issue. I'm overthinking winning. But how many times in life you win fair and square? You do everything right. You play by the rules. You win fair and square. You succeed. You move on. How many times in life... 
Are you going to say, I don't think I should be winning, even though I'm playing by all the rules, even though this is good for me and I'm being successful, maybe I should just kneecap myself and not win anymore. How many situations are you going to do that in? Not many. I just think it's interesting that me and my fellow Giants fans are thinking about this. Um, Another sports story, real quick. FIBA World Cup, which is the World Cup of basketball. FIBA World Cup is not as popular as the Soccer World Cup. I actually don't think I've ever watched the FIBA World Cup. I just was thinking that a lot of people, like a lot of well-known names, are dropping out of the FIBA World Cup, like LeBron James and like the best players in the league are not going to the World Cup to play for Team USA. And I'm thinking, like, how does this affect international basketball as a whole? Because the USA is probably going to win, excuse me, even with their lesser players, the second tier of players. Even if LeBron James doesn't win or doesn't show up, they can still win. But the games are probably going to be a lot closer. And I think this might be a net positive for international basketball. I also think it's interesting how, excuse me, representing Team USA is. Like, playing for USA basketball is not the same thing as representing your country. Like, playing for USA basketball is just a cool thing to do. Like, you're representing the basketball team. You're playing with your friends because a lot of basketball players have known each other since they were teenagers. You're playing with their friends. That's what Team USA is. It's not, oh, I'm representing my country, hand over my heart, stand for the flag. That's not what this is. But if Team USA sends their second-tier players and we get a lot of closer games, it might be compelling to watch the FIBA World Cup. I don't even know what channel the FIBA World Cup comes on. I know the Olympics, when they come around and Team USA plays, but USA basketball is so dominant and we know that they're going to win, usually. Like, we don't expect Team USA to ever lose. Like, Team USA is supposed to go undefeated. They're never supposed to lose. We're always supposed to win the gold medal. Everyone else can get silver and bronze. We don't give a fuck. I think that this might be a good thing for Team USA, for these guys to, to not be in the, in the tournament. For LeBron James, for Steph Curry, for Anthony Davis to, to drop out. Like, I think it might be good for, like, actual competitive games. Um, but anyway, speaking of competition for the games, um, or for basketball anyway, since, like, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George went to the Clippers and people are teaming up all over the place, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, we have Russell Westbrook and James Harden reuniting, people have been saying, like, people don't want to compete anymore. They want to join forces I don't think that's necessarily the right mindset. What it is, is when in the back in the day, people said that Michael Jordan wanted to be the star and, you know, compete against other teams. Shaq said this on an interview, like, I want to compete. I don't want to team up. I want to be the superstar and compete against other superstars. But now, since there are so many superstars in the game, I think it's a little bit of a bad take to say that people don't want to compete. And I respect Shaq. I respect all those guys. They're more talented than I will ever be. And Giannis Antetokounmpo is a little bit like this as well. And I am a huge fan of his. So I'm not saying that this is like wrong or I'm not saying it's bad, but I do think it is wrong. 
I misspoke a little bit there. Sorry. But because now what you have is there's so many good guys, like there's more talent in the league than ever, right? There's so many good people that it's not that one-on-one competing anymore. We're teaming up, yes, but we're teaming up against other teams. We're, we're a duo. I'm Paul George. I'm Kawhi Leonard. We teamed up. We're playing against LeBron James, Anthony Davis. We teamed up. We're playing against Russell Westbrook, James Harden. They teamed up. We're playing against duos instead of singles now. That's what it is. But we're still, there's still that effort to compete. I feel like the discourse is that the, the sense of competition is gone and you just want to play for your friends. I don't think that's true necessarily. It's just that you cannot win a championship with just one guy anymore. You need two. You need two really, really good players to win a championship. That's just how the NBA is. One person can't carry the team like it used to be. You need that, that number two guy who's also a star to superstar and need a good supporting cast. So because you need two, people are going to team up to compete against other big twos and big threes. And I think that the competition is still there. It's just the way you go about it is different. And with so much money in these maximum contracts and super max and all that, it's possible to get, you know, a couple of maximum players for an exorbitant amount of money to team up for a few years and try to compete as best as they can. But I don't think that the lack of competition is there. And the NBA should be pretty good. And maybe the FIBA World Cup is going to be good. We'll see. Um, but I am having high hopes for, for basketball um, this next upcoming season. Since my Warriors aren't going to be as good, Milwaukee should be pretty good still. But we'll see. I'm, I'm excited. But the last thing I want to talk about is the issue of remakes. Because people are mad about the recent slew of remakes that are happening in the movie industry in summer 2019. And I understand a little bit of this. Like, there's not as much original content as there is remakes. We had remake Lion King, remake Aladdin, remake Child's Play, remake Men in Black, all that stuff. I just want to give a little bit of a perspective on why these remakes may be existing right now. Think about the beginning of time. Let's get historical. How were stories passed down from one generation to the other? You had to, you had to speak them. We couldn't write. We had to speak. We had to give the oral tradition to pass down our stories from one generation to the next. What happened? We learned how to write. We learned how to make books. And we learned how to act and make plays. What are these tools just used to pass down our stories? We use books to pass down our stories. We use plays to pass down our stories. We use poetry to pass down our stories. What happened a little bit later? We invented movies, film. We can create a story on film and pass it down that way. We can remake the story with new technology the further in history we go along. So what I'm trying to say is when we have a remake, instead of seeing it as a soulless cash cash grab, maybe it's we have this innate itch to pass down our story, even if the story has already been told, but we have new technology, we can make it different and potentially better. I'm not saying that you have to think that these remakes are better, but what I am saying is that 
maybe there is something natural in us that wants us to remake a story as soon as we get new technology. That's why we got a Lion King with crazy photorealistic animation because we can now. We can tell that story again in a different way and that's not necessarily a bad thing. I feel like people are thinking that this is a bad thing. I don't think that it's necessarily a bad thing. I think it might be something that's a little bit more natural. I know that you know, we need original work and I did go see Stuber, I enjoyed it very much. We do need original work in Hollywood and beyond. But these remakes are not the evil that I think they are. I think there's room for both of them. And at the end of the day, we only have like seven story archetypes to begin with, and we have to build off that. And as we learn and new events happen in history, we can modify and edit these stories to you know, change the story a little bit, but at the end of the day, it's still the same archetype. These remakes are just following the archetype and leaning on what I think is our natural instinct. And I think that we're gonna continue getting these remakes as soon as you know, new technology comes about. Um, but anyway, I just wanted to leave you on that and maybe rethink your mind. I'm not saying you have to like the remakes. I'm not saying you have to think the new Lion King is good. I'm just saying that maybe maybe the evil that you think is really just an innate itch that we need to scratch. Um, but anyway, I'm going to leave you on that note. Thank you for watching, listening, paying attention to me. I greatly appreciate you. Please be safe. Love you. Goodbye.